2: Welcome here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash dt Happy to be here with you this morning and every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Obviously this week we had a holiday on January 1st, which was New Year's Day, so you didn't hear from us then, but typically Monday through Friday is when you are going to hear the show 9 a.m two eleven 11 a.m. Eastern Time. So, a good morning to you and a good morning to all. We're happy to be here on the broadcast, wall-to-wall for today, January 2nd. It will be all college football talk with a little bit of the NFL as well, but we're staying on the football field and making that happen for this morning. So in the morning menu proudly presented by the Market Diner on 2100 Park Street in Syracuse, New York, in the regional market across from Destiny USA. It is my honor and my pleasure to start off the show with a man who is no stranger to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, and that is Bob Casulo, longtime Collegiate football and NFL assistant coach here to speak with me on what he's taken away from college football so far and an NFL season that's gonna get really interesting in the postseason with a lot of new faces. Bob, how are you doing today?
0: I'm doing great. I'm uh putting a lot of visine in my eyeballs from this past weekend.
2: <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, this is this is you know, to start with college football, you know, we'll go there and we'll make our way to the pros. College football wise, now I chose Central Florida because I have covered this team. I've covered Scott Frost since day zero that he got in to Central Florida and and covered the uh, game most recently that they had for the American Athletic Championship. I was down in Orlando for when they faced uh, Memphis in double overtime to get the victory, and I chose them to win this game. I chose them to pull it out over Auburn. I think the American Athletic deserves more respect than they get, and I think there's some good talent, some good coaches. If there wasn't good coaches in the conference. They wouldn't be poaching them to the Power Five every single season. So, you know, I'm happy that they got the victory. I don't know how many people chose them. Maybe I should have bet on something. But you know, what do you what did you take away from Central Florida over Auburn? Because they did what they needed to do in the times they needed to do it, and they have some NFL talent on that team.
0: Well, strictly for recreational purposes, I had UCF. <laughs> I liked them. I liked them. I liked them a lot. Uh, in fact, I've got them ranked number five in my in my uh, top ten. I've got Wisconsin four and UCF five. I think UCF is better than Clemson, better than Ohio State. Those teams. Uh, I think the only one better than them is Alabama, Georgia, and Oklahoma. And I'm not so sure they couldn't give any one of those teams a, a uh, uh, you know a good battle and possibly win the game. Um, I I think that you know it's it, it they're a good team. They're a good team, and they went out and hired an offensive coach, you know, Josh Heupel, to come in and take over. But this guy, Scott Frost, let me tell you something. If Nebraska gives him a a free reign out there, you know, the rest of the Big Ten is in deep, deep trouble, I'll tell you that.
2: Yeah, I mean, and the thing that's really hard, and I said it after the game, I said, you know, watching Scott Frost win this game, with you know Central Florida is almost like having your girlfriend break up with you, but you had that you know non non negotiable non refundable ticket to go to Walt Disney World. So she breaks up with you, but you go to Disney. You have one great trip, but you know when you get home, it's over. I mean that's how it felt in this game. It was very strange. Typically a coach doesn't come back, but I mean just to speak to that and what you take away from that, being a being a long time coach yourself, just to To have that moment and to be able to celebrate with Scott, knowing that he's already dating another girl and he's moved on,
0: right, right, you know. And uh, I, I really think that if it wasn't, uh, there's two issues to to address here. If it it wasn't his alma mater, I don't know if he'd have been that receptive to leaving. Uh, at this point in time, you know, eventually he's going to want to, uh, get into a power five school. Uh, but this being his alma mater. You know, and then and then working Nebraska allowing him to work back to UCF, which was a good thing. But the, the my next point is, um, I, I I don't see. I mean, a team like Central Florida right now, the university it's like the third or second, third or fourth largest university in the country. Okay, they they why wouldn't the SEC or the ACC or uh, take this team because. They're, they're big time. They're big time. Unfortunately, they don't right now. They didn't make the push to secure a guy like 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 Scott Frost. I'm assu- assuming he's making about five million at Nebraska. So, you you know, the question begs to be asked, why didn't UCF offer five million? I don't think it's because they don't have the ability to offer him five million. I think it's them saying Why? Because we're never going to have a chance to be in the Final Four as long as we're outside the Power Five conferences. And and that, in a nutshell, is the slap in the face. You know, uh, UCF could play with any team in the country right now. Memphis could probably play with most teams in the country. You know, that's just two teams. There's many, many others. But until, uh, uh, you know, until they get recognized... And pulled into a, like if UCF right now was in the SEC or was in the ACC and Nebraska was going after Scott Frost, UCF would say, hey, we got the money. We can raise the funds. We're going to match the $5 million, because they know that they're going to have a chance to go to the Final Four. Where they're at, they got no chance. So, you know, as much as they hate losing Scott Frost, they pat him on the back, say thanks for the memories and good luck. And, and, and I think that's the problem right now.
2: Speaking here with Bob Casulo, longtime NFL and college football assistant coach here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora this morning. Bob, that's that's something that I've discussed. Something that you just brought up is is something that you know has been a topic of discussion for me for weeks here on the show. Is the fact of you know the American Athletic Conference? They have good talent. They've had some good. I mean, you look at Mackenzie Milton, quarterback of Central Florida. You look at Quentin Flowers and what he's done for South Florida. There's been really, really strong, talented guys. You know, on the offensive mean, Shaquem Griffin, guy has one hand, yet he can intercept the ball and sack a quarterback better than most. So you look at some of these teams and, and you say, okay, the South Florida's and the Central Florida's and Memphis and what they've been able to do and some of the guys that they've had on the field. You look at teams like Navy, you look at teams like Houston SMU has gotten better. So, you know, there's talent all throughout, but that's a question that's always come up is, well, they're not a power five. They're not included in this, so they're not going to get that respect. And when it comes to the college football playoff, it hinders a coach by saying, okay, well, you did a really great job. However, we don't regard you as high as we do other people. And, and if what it's coming down to for me is if the power five are the only teams that are ever going to be considered for the college football playoff, then why even have the other conferences? Why not separate it? Because if I'm fighting my butt off in the American Athletic and I'm having a year like this year where Memphis turned some heads and UCF turned some heads and South Florida turned some heads and I'm not getting any headway into the college football playoff, are we essentially saying that this, like the BCS, is another broken system that's only going to be for the precious few? I mean, is that what we're looking at?
0: Absolutely. I mean, let, let me get it one step further for you. This is, I, and you know me, I've been on your show several times. This this is, this is a joke. It's a joke. You got, first of all, you got a power five conferences to go to a final four. So every year, one of the conferences is going to be negated outside, okay? This year, they took two teams from the SEC, okay, There were two conferences, the Pac-10 and the Big Ten, eliminated from the, quote, Power Fives, were eliminated from the Final Four. Okay, so it's a joke. It's a joke. The whole thing is predicated on television. They got what they wanted. The SEC to most, you know, Fox Sports, ESPN, uh, yada, 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 those, all they talk about is the SEC. Okay, well, they got their wish this year, so now they can brag. They got one-year bragging rights on the SEC. But is that – well, I was talking with some guys the other night, okay? Go back, even before, go back 20 years. How many teams have really been champions? You know, how, how many teams have really been national champions? And And you've lost two teams that were perennial national champions. Nebraska Miami that probably are a ways from coming back. And in today's day and age, it's going to be tough for them to crack the final four, much less the final two, because of the pressure on. Here you got Alabama, Georgia, Auburn. Okay. Every year, one of those teams is going to be in the final four. Okay. In the ACC, you got Clemson, Florida State. Every year, one of those teams is going to be, Florida State's going to come back. Uh, You know, Jimbo Fisher had to go. That's a story for another day. But the ACC, the SEC are always going to be represented. Usually, this is an unusual year. Usually, the, the Big Ten is always going to be represented. You know, Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State. They're all, Wisconsin is the best kept secret in the country. They should be in there, okay? But anyways, so there's three conferences. The problem conferences are the Pac-10, okay, and whatever the hell Oklahoma's league is called now, uh, 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 you know, because nobody really, unless Texas region, Texas goes in the same category as Nebraska and Miami, the teams that were that for somehow penalties – however the, the the situation was, have dropping off the radar, have dropped off the radar, okay? And what happens now is they're battling their tails off to get back in, and it's going to be a while because these other four te- the other team is Notre Dame. I mean, all Notre Dame's got to do is go 11-1. and They'll be in every year, but they're not that good. So you got teams like Notre Dame, Nebraska, Texas, okay, Miami, that were powerhouses, are powerhouses, but they're not the powerhouses as long as the alabamas and the clemsons georgia got back into that group which was good okay oklahoma you know it's the same teams every year every year it's the same teams Uh, you could go back i don't know how many years for national championship and, and, and like i said no longer can you take nebraska miami okay and texas but the rest of the teams are the same it never changes so what what you have is you have really what you should have is a top 20 teams top 25 teams and then the rest of the country the rest of the universities now it's fun now because now everybody has a chance you know you, you get the tcus of the world you get the ucfs of the world um, um every year Washington has upgraded their program. I mean every year somebody gets better and better of the rest, the other 100 teams. If there's 126 college football Division 1 teams, the top 25 or 26, take them out and the rest of the 100, put them in a jar shaking up and every year somebody different's going to come out. That makes it fun. What we got now, hey, you know, what I mean like if you're a betting man, just put your money on Alabama every week, <laughs> including this coming week. You know what I mean? It's 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 not fun. It really isn't. And then when you watch the NFL playoffs and you see those games on Sunday, oh my God! Cincinnati right down to the end, Baltimore, the Buffalo. It's a it's to me, pro football is much more exciting because, like they used to say, any week anybody has a chance to win, and this past weekend just proved it. College football, I, I mean. Every once in a year, somebody sneaks in, but they don't, like UCF, they don't get the chance to play for the title. Boise State used to be that team, if you remember. And then they went and beat, what, Oklahoma one year. I think they beat, I don't know, they beat somebody another year. They were pretty darn good. Now they've kind of backed off a little bit. They're still good, but they're not great. But they never had a chance to go to the Final Four. Never. Um, So, you know, it's it's, – I'm just not – I enjoy watching the college football, but it's the same teams. It's the same thing every year. Just change the last digit on the calendar. You know, we're now in the 2018. It was 2017. Then it was 2016. It was Clemson, Alabama. Clemson, Alabama. Clemson, Alabama. Now, this year, it's Alabama, Georgia. Okay. But next year, it's going to be Alabama and somebody else. Probably Clemson again. (laughs) It's boring. It's, well, it's repetitive, it's boring, and it's not good for college football. And one more thing, okay? Every once in a while, every once in a while, a team like Syracuse will upset a Clemson, okay? that's But that's an anomaly. That doesn't happen, okay? which was why, in my argument, for the Final Four, not only did they put Clemson in the Final Four, they seeded him number one. Well, for recreational purposes only, I sit there and I say, hmm, I'm going to pick the opponent because Clemson got beat by Syracuse. I don't care if the quarterback was hurt. I don't care what the situation was. Clemson got beat by Syracuse. Okay? They don't deserve to be number one and they don't deserve to be in the final four. That, that was just me. So, I lean towards Alabama. <laughs> you know? So, I don't know if I'm making any sense, but I just am tired of the same old, same old. If it's going to be the same teams that get those teams out, have their own little fun, and let's let the other hundred teams, you know, we're making a TCU playing yeah, outside with how about a Wisconsin playing at UCF? Wouldn't that be a great game? It means nothing. They could play a hundred times, it means nothing. It's
2: too bad. Well and that's the thing that's you know and, and Bob brings it up here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. that's you know, that's something that's been on my mind for a long time is okay, you know. And somebody just brought it up. Uh, one of the coaches that I respect just brought it up this morning. He said, "It's the same thing that I said to my wife last night." I said, "Look at UCF defeating Auburn, and they always, you know, they the the conversation of the if A equals B and B equals C, does A equal C?" Well. Auburn beat Alabama, and Auburn beat Georgia, and UCF beat Auburn, right. so UCF beat the team that's the only team in the country to beat the two teams that are playing in the national championship, yet UCF's not that good of a team, according to the what committee. They,
0: what do they get the show for? Right. What, what, what reward do they get? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. People don't even talk about that. They're, they might mention it in passing, but they don't talk about it, you know? <laughs> it's weird.
2: And that's and that's a thing of and you and I have discussed this before of of expanding and saying okay, you know what, if there's 5 power 5, then we need eight spots, we need 10 spots, we need 12 spots because if there's going to be this power five that's always going to make it. If you're guaranteeing that's, you know, two out of the five, at least three out of the five conferences, four out of the five, whatever it may be. But if the SEC is going to do what the SEC does, and it's going to be Alabama and then a good chance another SEC team, Clemson or Florida State. And I don't disagree with you about these. And the Big Ten, I don't disagree with you that Ohio State, Wisconsin, Penn State, somebody will find their way back into that. And, you know, the Big 12 is eh. And, you know, and the Pac-12 has their, has their moments, but – You know, when they play against, it seems like when they play against the big boys, they get a little bit shaken. So when you look at what this college football playoff is right now, it's essentially an SEC versus ACC type of game. And you already have ACC, SEC bowl game. So expand it, let it be eight, let it be 12, because then what that does, it says, okay, you know what, if there's eight schools then there's one representative from each of the conference. Or if a conference is down, then you say, okay, there's two from this one. But that gives the Power Five all a shot, and then it leaves open three more spots. Now, knowing this committee, just like the BCS committee, those three more spots, they'd be salivating to say, now we can get Auburn and Alabama and Georgia in. But what I would hope to see is that, like you said, outside of those teams that you expect to be there and you shake it up and see what happens, I'd love for a UCF to creep in there. I'd love for a Memphis to creep in there. I'd love for, you know, one of those, uh, South Florida, somebody to creep in there to show because every single time, and the American Athletic just put it up this morning, every single time that they're told they can't play, they shouldn't play, they're not good, they're not worthy, they need to go home, this is a joke. Well, they played in three New Year's Six Bowls, and they've won every single one of them as of late. They are 3 and 0 in the New Year's Six Bowls. Yet they had no business being there a few years ago when they had Blake Bortles and they had no business being there playing Auburn according to some of the talking heads out there that do not include myself. So yeah. it, what what is the deal? like you said what does UCF have to show for it? They have an argument that they should be a share of the nation. They're the only team in the country that's undefeated of 130 Division 1A FBS schools. They're the they're the only team that could sit here and say that they defeated the team that def- that's going on to play that they defeated Auburn, who was going who 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 when it comes to Georgia and it comes to Alabama, they took them both down this season and they just took down Auburn. They just smacked the SEC. This little old rinky dink American athletic that people treat them to be just took out a team that they weren't supposed to, and it didn't take double overtime, and it didn't take a freak play, and it didn't take an official saying that's not a touchdown once they reviewed it. This was a game where they won in regulation because they did what they needed to do. So, you know, I don't know why it's going to be a moment in history, and then like you said, you wake up this morning and everybody's Georgia, Alabama, but who's talking about the fact that UCF did everything they were supposed to do on paper and the committee said congratulations you did a great job little guy now go no, now go get your big brother a water cuz he's got to play a game in a few in a few days
0: right right uh, you're you're right you're right and I mean you could beat this to death and it, it, it's not going to change nothing's going to change but anyways there was some good football on there was some good games
2: and when you look at some of these games that were going on, and you know, I, I hope that things do change. I really do. I, I gotta be an, I gotta be an optimist no and chance. push for <laughs> it. Got no I gotta got hope. No chance. I gotta yeah. hope, Bob. Well, I gotta can do. It. Hope,
0: but I mean, you know, you you you're you're out there uh, tooting a horn for UCF, which I agree with. How about Wisconsin? How about Wisconsin? You know, how about Ohio State beating Southern Cal? You ready for this? If you watch the game, they scored a field goal on offense. Ohio State, okay? They had a pick six, and they had two turnovers in the red zone. So they drove less than 20 yards for their two touchdowns, and the other one was scored by the defense. And if you listen to the announcers, they kicked a dog out of Southern Cal. No, they didn't. They would have lost seven to three if it wasn't for the turnovers. <laughs> I mean, look at the total stats for that football game. Uh, the, the key was the turnovers, the three turnovers, Okay. They, they, don't, don't go extolling the first. Put Ohio State on the field against Southern. Now they did beat. Okay, they beat Wisconsin. That's because Wisconsin. But if you looked at that game, they beat them in the first half. Wisconsin beat them in the second half. Unfortunately, there was six points less. You know, I, I mean, it's just it's being like you just said. It's up. It's being determined by people that do not play the game of football, and that's what's wrong. Anyways. You know, we beat, the, we beat this horse to
2: death. <laughs> but what I think is funny, you bring up the Ohio State game, and, the, and one of the stories that was written was playoff snubbed Ohio State yeah. over USC. And I'm looking at this game, like you said, you go back, you look at the numbers. This was one of the most boring games yep. in the bowl yeah. season because Ohio State scores in the first quarter, JT Barrett runs it in from a yard out. Then they kick a field goal in the second quarter. Then they have an interception return. Then J.T. Barrett runs it in again, this time from 28 yards. Then USC gets a touchdown right before halftime. Nothing happened in the second half. Nope. Nothing happened in the second half of play for 30 minutes. Nobody did a damn thing. They the first half was played, and then it was 24 to seven. And if you flip back and flip back and flipped and flipped it, but every time you came back to the game, it was the same damn game. And it, I mean, this this to me this. U.S. again, but like I said, the Pac-12 U.S. this this game was awful. It was atrocious, and they're going to sit here and say, "Well, this was this was Ohio State telling you that they should have been in. If Ohio State was in playing the way they played in this game, they would have gotten blown out." Yeah, no, I'm with you. I'm with you. It's terrible. I'm with you. So, what were some of the other bowl games that uh, you know the good ones, the one, the ones that were actually you know fight dog fights here? What what were some of the games that you liked?
0: I love Iowa State and Memphis because those, to me, are the, are two of the teams that represent the majority of Division I football. Iowa State and Memphis, you know, it could be Syracuse versus uh, Illinois someday. It could be Pittsburgh versus Georgia Tech someday. It could be uh, any one of 100 teams. Those are two teams that are seeing their programs on the rise, and the game went right down to the end of the game. That's one. Another good game was Wisconsin over Miami. How many people pick Wisconsin that you know playing Miami at Miami's home and Wisconsin beat them? Now, how about these sorry teams? Okay, how about Michigan? How about Southern Cal, which you already mentioned? Okay, you know how sorry are? How about Notre Dame? I mean, if they're not playing LSU that has no offense, I mean, those were sorry performances. Absolutely sorry performances. Uh, Now, another good team. Two other good teams. Like, like, okay, Iowa State-Memphis. North Carolina State. Northwestern. How about these teams? They had great years. And they're good football teams. Michigan State. They won nine, ten games. All of these teams. Mississippi State. You know, look, look at these teams. It's amazing. Oklahoma State. TCU. All these teams. Great games. Great teams, and what I got to show for But if you take the rest of the 100 teams and you do these matchups, they're all great teams. You know, you know what I mean? So it's 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 frustrating because you're never going to hear about those teams. Those coaches now got to go out and finish recruiting. They got to go out and push their program and hope that they could do next year and win nine or ten games again next year so they get to play another nine or ten game team that doesn't mean absolutely nothing in the media you know in the old days you used to wake up on tuesday mornings dying to get the paper to see if your team was in the top 25. i remember when we were working with coach mac all mac wanted to do was see syracuse in the top 25 because now people are seeing that well the paper has been replaced by the talking heads, okay? And the top 25 is now the top four. So that limits the field tremendously. And, and so, you know, uh, those are the things I like. Those are teams I really like. I, I like these also-rans, as they call them, because I think it's impressive, you know, what they do. And, uh, you take a team like Northwestern, that, that coach is one of the best. He's like, he reminds me of how Frank Beamer was at Virginia Tech. No, nobody, Virginia Tech in those days, yeah, Frank Beamer won eight, nine, ten games every year. Northwestern, Pat Fitzgerald, every year eight, nine, ten games. Northwestern. Yeah. I guarantee you, if you give somebody a pen and paper and list the top fifty teams in their minds, they ain't gonna put Northwestern in because they don't even know who they are. Yeah. they're a good football <laughs> team. You know, that's what I like. I like looking at these other teams. You know, I, I like looking at them because that's exciting. You know, that's exciting. I mean, Alabama's Alabama. Always going to beat them. Always going to beat them. But, anyways, you ask me what other games I like, those are the games I like.
2: Well, no, and and, and I think, I think you know, what people pay for and what they hope for is, is a close game and an exciting matchup. And Iowa State going up against Memphis, this was a huge game in the Liberty Bowl, and it was 21-20 in favor of Iowa State, and there was no scoring in the fourth quarter, but all the way through, you look at how close this game came for Memphis you know this game was 7-0 in favor of Iowa State then it's tied then they then they take they took the lead all the way down to the third quarter Memphis takes the lead they take it back about nine minutes later and then Memphis tries they kick a field goal they don't get the touchdown and it ends up staying there 21 to 20. I mean that was a big time game for both teams, and like you said, teams that will be overlooked and people will say, "Who cares?" Yet Iowa State beat some good people this season, and you know, and, and at the same time, Memphis took down you know UCLA, and they did some good things this year. So there's something Here's to be something. said about that.
0: Here's something to think about. Let's go back to the '80s and '90s, okay? And let's say we had this system in place in the '80s and '90s. You want to know what the Final Four would be? Texas, Nebraska, Miami, and Penn State. Were those not the best four teams in that time period?
2: Some pretty good teams.
0: Yeah, where are they now? Now, do they ever have a chance? Do they ever have a chance of getting back? You know, I would say they have a chance, yes. But in reality, you know, it's it's probably not going to happen. You know, Penn State's another team that I really liked. I, I, I saw them, and I liked them. But, you know, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, Texas, Nebraska, Miami, Penn State, those were your final four teams if you look at it, you know. And the only team that ever cracked the national championship, I think, once, was Alabama, um, when that older gentleman was the coach there. Uh uh, I think they cracked it one year in 91 or 92. But the rest of the time it was Nebraska, Miami, Penn State, Texas, that was it. That was it? You know <laughs> so, I think Florida State always was in the top five, but you know I think they, I think you would put them you know in, in the same class as, uh, as Alabama at that time. They were going to disrupt, but they weren't going to be an annual perennial champion. It's there's too many good football teams other than the top ten out there, and they're never going to get a chance. And that's what's wrong with the sport. And it's difficult because it isn't like basketball. Because basketball, right now, you can have a hundred twenty-eight team tournament or hundred twenty-four team, whatever it is, tournament. And after one game, you're down to the brackets as they currently stand. <laughs> you know, and, yeah. and you can't do that in football. I mean, if you had a hundred-team tournament in football, you'd be playing from you know till the Fourth of July. Uh, so you can't do that. But uh, it needs to be at least eight or sixteen.
2: Yeah, you know it definitely needs to expand. And, and Bob and I have agreed on that. Bob Casulo here, longtime assistant and professional coach when it comes to the sport of football. Bob Casulo here on Wake Up Call. With Dan Tortora speaking on college football and, and taking a look at this I, I want to ask you about the Lane train okay because first and foremost with Lane Kiffin I was down in Florida ironically when he was hired to take this job at FAU I was covering the Jaguars game and and so I'm down there and I'm writing this article about Lane Kiffin going to FAU and I put up a post and I said how long do you think Lane Kiffin will last at, at FAU I put one day one hour one month one year you know what do people think and this man, you know, he just signed an extension. And, and as you and I know, Bob, contract extensions mean probably nothing because they get broken all the time. But Lane Kiffin is supposed to be with this team until, I believe, 2027 by the contract he just signed. They won 50-3 to against Akron at their stadium. They took care of business and Lane Kiffin, the guy who we thought it was it was opposite day, something crazy was going on, somebody took a hold of the channel changer that affects the entire world and moved Lane from where he was to FAU, and it was a big joke. But yet, he is there, he is recruiting, he's going to come back next year to Boca Raton, Florida, and go to work again. First and foremost, how surprised were you in the move? And then secondly, how surprised are you that this man is staying here to build up this program when we're having the conversation that they're never going to allow them into the college football playoff, more than likely. It's not even, I mean, if they're not going to allow the American, they're not allowing any other conference that's under the American. So what are your thoughts on the Lane train coming to Boca Raton and then stopping in Boca Raton? Well,
3: first of all,
0: Lane Kiffin's coaching career is backwards. It went in reverse. You know, he got the golden goose first instead of earning it. He you know, he, he went he went uh, Oakland Raiders, Southern I'm not in this order, but I'm just giving you the, the rank uh, the, the the power of the programs. He went NFL Oakland Raiders, Pac Ten, Southern Cal, SEC, Tennessee, FAU. It should have been <laughs> I mean, realistically, it, it it just reverse it. FAU to Tennessee, logical move. Tennessee to California, for him, logical move, Southern Cal. Okay. Southern Cal to the NFL, Oakland Raiders, logical move, West Coast kid. Perfect. Okay. His career is in reverse. I think, you know, and again, we all get we all get smarter and more mature with age. And I think in his case, he's happy here. He's not gonna be satisfied here. But the biggest thing he's going to be here is patient, okay? And he's got himself a good program that the previous guy did a good job in stocking that program but couldn't couldn't get them over the hump, okay, so to speak. Lane Kiffin comes in, reaps the rewards of these athletes, and has the coaching acumen to get them over the hump. So now all he's got to do is stay there and be patient. And his next move, he's not going to go to the NFL again right away. He's going to have to take a power five step, okay? And don't be shocked, don't be shocked if Alabama is not that place. (laughs) Because, you know, Nick's Nick's my age. I think he's 66 or 67. He's probably going to coach two or three more years, okay? I doubt if he'll go much longer than that. So Lane Kiffin signs a 10-year deal with FAU, sits tight for two or three more years, and goes to Alabama. Makes sense, you know? That's just my guess. I'm just throwing that out there. But he doesn't have to, he's not making Mega Millions. I don't think, he's probably wise in his ways that doesn't need Mega Millions. I think what he's looking for right now is having fun. And I live right you know, we're 20 minutes away from Boca. He's having fun. He's having fun, and they're doing a nice job. So I just think sooner or later, you know, I, I think the longer he stays at FAU, in my mind he's waiting for Alabama. That's just my opinion.
2: Yeah, you know, and that's the opinion of many is that they're, you know, waiting for, you know, Lane Kiffin is essentially looking at Alabama saying, "Okay, Nick, when you hang him up, I'll just, you know, I'll be recruiting down here doing my thing, just building up Florida and and when you're ready to when you're ready to leave, you know, just hand me the baton and I'll come back and and do what I need to do, you know, but it's just it's a very strange scenario. That here we have Lane Kiffin, and I did—I thought it was an April Fool's joke. Yet here he is at, at FAU, taking care of business, and he's about going fast. He's about pushing this offense and pushing the tempo. And you got to give credit where credit is due. I mean, the team went eleven and three this season, seven and one at home, and they anu- enough. And, and, the you Here's what? the irony. Here's the irony,
0: and I, I apologize for interrupting you, but here's the irony. Tennessee was open this year. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Don't you think, let's assume he has not already coached at Tennessee. Would they not be sending a plane and, a, and an armored car full of money down to FAU to get him to come to Tennessee? Yeah. You, you see what I'm saying about his his sequence of jobs is backwards. Because if he was at FAU right now and Tennessee comes open, they he he'd have to take that job because they'd be throwing money at his feet all the way up to his nose. You, you see what I'm saying? So, this is this sequence of backwards. You know, uh, it, it's quite ironic because there was an article down here. Gee, do you think Tennessee would ever hire him back? No way. No way. But if he wasn't at Tennessee as a young, immature coach kicking off everybody and their brother, okay? And he was FAU's successful lane camping coach where the players love him. He's having a good time. He's a good jolly old guy. Tennessee's gonna be all over him. So it's it's quite ironic,
2: you know? And that's a funny thing. And and I said that his team would defeat Akron seventy to seven. They did fifty to three. So they did I mean they they did pretty much my wavelength. But when you look at like what you were going off of, like you said with Tennessee, he was so bitter and so just verbally. It it wasn't nobody had to put a meme up about him in Tennessee because he put him up himself. He put up a picture of Kim Jong Un wearing a Tennessee sweatshirt and or a Tennessee whatever it was a Tennessee jacket for the team, looking like the head coach. And he put even Kim Jong Un turned down the deal that they sent him from Tennessee. And I mean this this is a guy that has been trolling and mocking and making fun of the Tennessee situation. I said that out of every job in America of the 130 jobs that are there in the FBS, I would not coach. And I would coach Akron before Tennessee because of what happened with Greg Schiano, because of what happened allegedly with, with Mike Leach. There were so many, I mean, this, this was to, to know that a school, that an institution could hire somebody in theory, and then see people on Twitter go, no, we don't like it, we're going to block, I mean, to see that, and then to see the pitchforks and the torches, like the Beauty and the Beast scene when they're going to take down the Beast in the castle, for them to see those pictures, to see the people on campus and see the Twitter posts, and and then back up into a corner and go, okay, 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 we'll hire who you want us to hire. I asked Tennessee fans repeatedly who they wanted. They didn't want Dave Doran from NC State, and I think you're nuts. They didn't want this, they didn't want that, they didn't want the other thing. But, and you see that that Tennessee said, okay, they said, all right, we'll do what you want us to do. They listened to the trolling people on the internet and ran into a corner, cried and said, please don't hit me. And to me, this makes absolutely positively no sense. And if I'm the head coach of Tennessee and the fans don't like the t-shirt that I wear to the press conference, I'm probably getting fired next year. And th- I would never want to go to an institution that makes a decision with no backbone. And I think that laying on top of all of that, saying, this is how I feel about Tennessee, I think it made e- I, mean, I think it made a situation even more laughable when you have a coach that used to be there saying, I don't even think the man of North Korea would take the job.
0: Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. I, I'm, I'm with
2: you on that. <laughs> So to look at a couple of these games before I let you go, Bob, because there's there's two that are on my mind, and they both have to do with the ACC, but teams that don't get the respect that I believe they deserve in the ACC. And the first one is Wake Forest, who you know has found their way to the top three in the Atlantic Division and has been number two at times, has been number three at times in the last two years. Dave Klaassen got what Scott Schaefer didn't get. He got time. And I like Dino Babers, and I like what he's doing at Syracuse, I'm just making an analogy of Scott came in around the same time that Dave came in and Dave said, this is going to take some time. I'm not going to turn around overnight. I'm going to have to build this thing from the ground up and you're going to have to be patient with me or else I'm not coaching here. They gave him the time. He got what he needed and he signed an extension because of what he's been doing. Getting them to bowl games, getting them better in the conference, pulling off victories and being a strong team. Well, they went up against Texas A&M and for those that don't think Wake Forest can score the ball, they won this game 55 to 52 at the Bank of America Stadium in Charlotte, North Carolina. Ironically, the same place where they play the ACC championship game. What are your thoughts on the Belk Bowl and Wake Forest and Dave Clawson, 55 to 52 over Texas A&M? I mean, this is another game that I really hope that people don't just put a little blanket over and move on. I mean, this is something to talk about.
0: Well, I'm, I'm going to I'm going to expand this. A little bit, okay. When Syracuse went into the ACC, people, you know, in conversation, we're talking about in the ACC. Well, forget about Clemson, Florida State, Miami. We got to beat BC, Wake Forest, Duke, North Carolina State, Georgia Tech, Pitt. You know, those teams. If we beat those teams, okay, we're going to be okay. Well, Virginia Tech in a bowl game. B.C. in a bowl game. Wake Forest in a bowl game. Duke in a bowl game. NC State in a bowl game. Every one of those teams, except Virginia Tech, won the game. And Virginia Tech went right down to the wire with highly ranked Oklahoma State. So, the Wake Forest, I put Wake Forest, they've done a great job. They really have. Duke, great job. North Carolina State, phenomenal job. One of the best jobs of them all being done in my opinion is boston college (laughs) you know and, and we're talking about mediocre programs but we're talking about programs that were down that are working their way up and you hit wake forest exactly in that category but i think there's other teams in that category too and that's when you get better because what you've done is you've now picked yourself up off the bottom of the heap okay and you're advancing through the ranks wake forest boston college duke north carolina state they're moving forward through the ranks okay and that's how your program gets better so you know now these coaches right now they're, they're pretty solid in what they're doing and where they are down the road who knows i know cutcliffe i know tennessee would have driven an armored truck to duke to get david cutcliffe he's very well respected at tennessee and they would have loved to have had him. But he's content and happy where he's at, and he didn't go. Does a great job. The guy at NC State, somebody tried to get him, and they thought he was going. Was it Tennessee? Yeah, right, Tennessee. you said that, and he didn't go. Wake Forest, that guy's got to be on on somebody's radar. Same thing with BC, the guy there. These guys are getting it done. Now you've got these other programs. They've got to get to the step. Syracuse, Georgia Tech, Pittsburgh. North Carolina, Virginia, okay. Virginia is close. They're close. They got trounced by Navy, but they made the bowl game. They're they're probably the the next team to move up into that medium level. But the ACC, including Wake Forest, now uh, we've always said Virginia Tech, Boston College, Wake Forest, Virginia, Duke, North Carolina State, Georgia Tech, Pitt, Syracuse, North Carolina. The team that wins those games, okay. Becomes the next fourth or third best fourth best team in the ACC to Clemson, Florida State, Miami, and and that's where you're going to get. That's as far as you're going to get. And every once in a while, you might upset somebody like Syracuse was capable of doing against Clemson this year. Every once in a while, if you can get to that number four spot, you never know to get to that number 4 spot you're going to have to beat one of those one of those teams and if you beat them now you got a chance and i think Wake Forest is one of the, one of four or five teams that are on that track in A60
2: and the other team that i think is on track to make moves and and it, it was literally right there for the last two years and you look at the Atlantic Division Wake Forest finished third in the Atlantic NC State finished second, six and two. If they had defeated Clemson, they'd both be seven and one. They would have leapfrogged Clemson because of the head-to-head win, and they would have played in the ACC championship game, thus securing that Clemson would not only not make the ACC championship game, but most likely would not be in the college football playoff or should not be in the college football playoff. NC State last season lost to Clemson in overtime because they missed a field goal. NC State this season lost to Clemson because their receiver dropped the ball on the goal line. So tell me how NC State is not that good, and tell me why Tennessee fans didn't want Dave Doran to even consider coming to Tennessee and coaching the Volunteers when in Dave Doran's time, again, about the same amount of time, last five years that he has had with NC State, tell me that this coach hasn't completely, almost completely, Change the climate of the ACC Atlantic Division when he has gone up against Clemson at home and away, and it has taken one play at the end of the game that doesn't go in his favor. So then he goes to the Hyundai Bowl and wins 52 to 31 over Arizona State to make yet another statement. I don't know what else he needs to do.
0: Well, sometimes the best jobs are the ones you don't get. I mean, that's in the coaching profession, that's a very common saying. Some of the best jobs are the ones you don't get. Yeah. <laughs> and and in Dave Doran's case, I firmly believe, hey, thank God I didn't get Tennessee. I got a good deal going here. You know, he's, he's like Lane Kiffin. He's got a great deal going where he's at. Now, obviously, NC State is a little more prestigious than FAU, but it's the same principle. Let's just stay here, build this program, and every year let's see who comes knocking at my door. And if nobody knocks... I don't have to worry about it. So, you know, he's lucky he didn't take that job.
2: Yeah, well, you know, I I just, I look at the fact that, and even when the job was, when it was being rumored, whether or not there was any truth to it or whatever it may be, to hear and see, I mean, when you went online and you read what some NC State fans were saying, good riddance, we don't need you, you're a terrible coach, you don't do anything for us, and I was like... Yeah, I mean, you're gonna bite the hand that feeds you. You're looking at a you're looking at a coach who made you, you number two in stuff? the Atlantic Division. I don't get that. Why do you why do you read that stuff? Well, <laughs> I'm I'm saying as a broadcaster, when we put if I put up a poll and I say, okay, what do you think about this? And then you see the responses. I was baffled. Ninety one percent of Tennessee fans that voted, and a lot of them did, didn't want Dave Doran. And then I'm looking at the NC State so called fans saying that this guy hasn't done anything for us. Let's get rid of him. Who cares? And I was like, I wonder how many NC State fans can name the head coach before Dave Doran. Because, I mean, Dave, to me, look at – it's not even what he does on the field and how he – it's who he recruits. Naheem Hines. I mean, you look at the guy, Jalen Samuels. My God. How about
0: this? You know, Dave Dave Huxtable's his defensive coordinator, and Dave and I worked together at Georgia Tech, and they just hired Ted Roof. Ted Roof was the defensive coordinator at Georgia Tech for, and I won't say what I think of Paul Johnson, but it's not very kind. And he gets rid of uh, uh, Ted Roof. Dave Doran hires him because Ted Roof and Dave Huxtable, we all worked together at Georgia Tech in the good old days. So Doran's smart enough to say, whoa, Ted Roof's available. I got a good defensive coordinator, but I'm bringing in a a good defensive coach who's a co-defensive coordinator, and we're going to be twice as good on defense. So, you know, not only does he do it with players, he does it with coaches.
2: Right, and the thing is, he knows what he needs to do to get better. And slowly but surely, he has been doing that. And in the last two years, like I said, I mean, you look at just NC State alone, when we've had this conversation to come full circle, just NC State alone to be as close as they were to Clemson. If they beat Clemson last year or this year, if they beat Clemson last year, Clemson's not a national champion because they're probably not playing in the college football playoff. If they beat them this year, that opens up another spot and now we're now we're arguing even more for UCF and Wisconsin and people want to argue for Penn State and this that and the other. This this team is so close to getting what they want to get, and the thing is, you beat Clemson, now in the Carolinas when you're out there recruiting, people were saying, okay, NC State's stealing uh, stealing a couple student athletes from North Carolina. Screw that. Now they're trying to steal some of them from South Carolina Clemson. They're trying to take them away from there. They're saying, listen, you can play for us this year when we beat Clemson, or you can play for Clemson and be on the other side of this thing. We've been knocking at this door. We're about to kick this thing down in a big way. Wouldn't you like to be a part of our history because you can say you beat Clemson, and very few teams have. I mean, Dave Dorn to me right now, with his coaching, with his player, he has so much ammo that I think, in my opinion, he is one of the coaches out there that building this program, sticking around, being a part of the process— if, if not for Dave Doran, I could say Dave Clawson and some of these other guys, but I give Dave Doran the slight edge and say that he should be a coach coveted by anybody at this point, because who the hell even knew that NC state was a division one FBS team before Dave Doran started doing what he was doing, who literally sat down and said, I think NC state's a nine to 10 win team. Who said that nobody. And he is the guy that has turned the tide there and I think that, you know, kind of to wrap things up, do you have any coach in America besides Dave Doran or the Dave Clawson's of the world or even Mike Norvell at Memphis or whatnot, do you have any ones that stick out to you that you think, you know, these guys are the, the coaches of the year? These are the ones that are turning things around. Does anybody else beside those names kind of stick out to you? Oh,
0: absolutely. Pat, Pat Fitzgerald at Northwestern, I already mentioned. Yeah. You know? And, and i got to subscribe spectrum, Okay. How much publicity does he get versus the guy at the Louisville, Petrino? Petrino gets all these accolades. He's not the guy that Pat Fitzgerald is at Northwestern. You know, okay? I think Northwestern, there's a situation where you've got a great coach. I think Boston College has an up and coming, recognizable coach. How about the coach at Navy? How about the coach at Army? How about those guys? You know what I'm saying? How about Uh, David Cutcliffe at Duke? I already mentioned him, you know? I mean, here's teams like UCLA that are out there, okay? They're trying to find a coach. Okay, so they dust off Chip Kelly. Chip Kelly, I think, is going to be a great—he has been and will continue to be a great college coach. He's like Nick Saban. He's like Urban Meyer. They're college coaches. Lou Holtz, college coaches. So I think UCLA, they hit a home run on this one with Chip Kelly, in my opinion, okay? Now, but you've got these other programs, and, uh, you know, I mean, these guys, there's some, Dan Mullen, he goes to Florida, Mississippi State. He has done the sequence of coaching progression the way it's supposed to be done. And now he's at a place, Florida, that has all the revenue, all the facilities, to make a run for the Final Four. They can do that. That's a good move. Um, let me see quickly. I'm just looking at my sheet here. You talk about guys that are are, are, are hot to trot in the future. Uh, let's see. I don't want to bore you with this. But, uh, you know, UCF seems to be, or USF seems to be a stepping stone program. Uh, the guy at Wyoming did a nice job. Temple now all of a sudden is a stepping stone program. How about that? I remember years ago when I was at Syracuse with Coach Mack, in the early days of Coach P, when you played Temple, you wanted to play as many players as you could, so your starters didn't get hurt. All of a sudden, Temple is an 8-9-10-1 team, you know, and it's a stepping stone for their coaches. Uh, we already talked about FAU. But the, you get the idea. The, there, there's a lot of good coaches out there that don't get the recognition they deserve because they're not ESPN coaches. The final four is all. ESPN right now will be tripping over themselves. <laughs> they will be verbally they they won't be able to have enough air time to get all the talking heads to talk because Alabama Georgia from the SEC are in the championship game. You Trust me. Do not turn your TV on until 8 o'clock next Monday night. Trust me. <laughs> because <laughs> you are just going to be Buried with this, oh, SEC this and SEC that. Forget about it. Anyways, that's my
2: rant. Time to go. That <laughs> yeah, coming from Bob Kasula. No, but, you know, it makes a lot of sense, Bob. There's a lot I'm of good coaches. How about Mike Leach? Huh? Mike Leach. Yeah. Are you
0: kidding me? You know what they don't like about Mike Leach? The same thing they don't like about our president of the United States. He's going to say what he thinks. and that, In today's politically correct society, that ain't very good. Mike Leach is a funny son of a gun. They, I don't know. Go on YouTube and get the clips of Mike Leach uh, press conferences, outtakes from Mike Leach press <laughs> conferences. It's hysterical. He's he's having fun. Right. He's having fun. That's what it's all about. You know, have fun. Come on. Look at Mark Rick the other night from Miami. Okay? Totally yeah. out of character. But the pressure is getting to you. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I'm not a Mark Rick fan. But I felt bad for him because all that emotion came out. And, and you know, he was wrong and he apologizes and he admits he was wrong and he will take any punishment. But that's the pressure. Is Mark Rick having fun at Miami? No, you can't have fun because the bar is too high. The Jimmy Johnson bar is too high. You, until you get to that bar, you're not going to have fun in Miami. No way. You know, but these guys like Mike Leach at Washington State, he's having a ball. He loves it. <laughs> you know? So I don't know. That's my <laughs> rant for today.
2: No. Go <laughs> no, but I, I agree. There's some good guys out there and, and there's there's a lot to be said about where college football should go. Maybe one day we can be the ones that are not trying to you know, I, I think I think if Bob and I were there for the college football playoff committee, we wouldn't have anything to backpedal on this morning because we would have made the right decisions. Yeah. Bob, as, as always, it's a pleasure. Enjoy your weather because I will be in negative five temperatures most likely yeah. today. But I will be down in Jacksonville for that playoff game in less than a week. So I'm looking forward to that. All right. T- All right, Dan. Thanks for having me on. Stay in touch. All right, take care. Bye. That coming from Bob Kasula. We'll take a quick step aside here. We're coming back with Mike Oresco, the American Athletic Conference Commissioner We got to talk about it this morning, do we not? We have to talk about UCF this morning. We did a little bit. We're going to talk about it with the commissioner of the American Athletic Conference about that school, that institution that's part of the AAC, UCF, 13-0. Nobody else is undefeated, and they just took down the SEC. So what should we say about champions? Who are the champions of of this season, even before the national championship is played? We'll discuss it in a minute. This is a wake up call, Fast Break. It's what happy like. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. I felt like it was only fitting here in the morning menu, proudly presented by the Market Diner, that this morning we have a voice on the show that is no stranger. At this point, I I feel like, you know, we could call him a strategic analyst of when it comes to college football here on Wake Up Call with Dan Satorra. The Power Six is a conversation that I've had for a long time, and this man has had it for longer. Coming off of a game yesterday, I felt like we couldn't wait two days, three days, and I'm very happy he felt the same way to discuss this, and that is the commissioner of the American Athletic Conference, Mike Oresco, who has within this conference this team called Central Florida, who just happened to be the only undefeated team in the nation when all said and done at 13-0, who defeated the SEC's Auburn, who's the only team to defeat Both Alabama and Georgia this season, who are playing for the national championship, which brings up the question why was UCF left out of it? Well, on a morning uh, with a team that wasn't supposed to make it, that had no business being there, once again, it feels like deja vu from the Fiesta Bowl. I'm very happy to have Mike Oresco here on the line with me to discuss a conference that demanded your respect and then showed you why, and a team that demanded your respect and then showed you why. So we sit here this morning saying, Power 6 shouldn't be a conversation anymore. It should be a definite, in my opinion, and I'm happy to bring Mike on to talk about it. Mike, how are you doing today? Good
3: morning, Dan. Uh, pleasure. Losing my voice a bit. You know, it was a pretty exciting day yesterday, but uh, pleased to be with you and uh, echo everything you said.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and when we, when we look at this now, I took a picture of the P6 helmet that, uh, that was at the AAC football media days and that's what I've been, you know, utilizing here. Let's discuss this because uh, there was a post put up by the American Athletic Conference this morning that said, you know, 3 and 0 in the in the uh, in the New Year's Bowls, the New Year's Six Bowls. So, 3 and 0 in games that they weren't supposed to play in and had no business being in. And then that UCF team that didn't play anybody tough this year, and who cares about this team? And how the heck did they make it up against Auburn? Who's gonna embarrass them? That was the conversation in the talk by some, and UCF took care of business in regulation, won the game on top of doing it with a coach who had already left, who came back. And so, the mental side of it, they had to overcome the mental, overcome the outside noise and then overcome a strong Auburn team. They did all three of those things, and they did them in style. So as the commissioner of the AAC, knowing that UCF did it again and once again put the AAC and themselves on the map, what are your thoughts coming out of a game that should leave no question in people's minds that UCF was a very, very strong competitor this year?
3: Well, you know, it, it obviously reinvigorates our P6 campaign, and, and, and it. You know, it gets it further toward a conclusion down the road. You know, we're not that far away. Uh, The one thing I've said, Dan, all along is that we've proven what we can do over the years. You know, the teams we've beaten in these games have been top teams. Baylor was, I think, sixth in the country when UCF, you know, beat them pretty badly you know, four years ago, uh, Florida State was ninth, I think, when they were lost to Houston by two touchdowns. And yesterday's game, obviously, Auburn was not only seventh, but they were, I think, one or two at one point until they lost the SEC championship game. And you're right, they beat both teams that are now playing for the national championship. Uh, so it's a pretty impressive uh, resume. But um, the game yesterday, you know, it was a touchdown game, but it didn't even seem that close at times in that second half. You know, when uh, when things stabilized for UCF and, and they, you know, they went ahead by two touchdowns and had a chance to make it a two-score two game at the end, you know, had some, some issues with, a, you know, uh, a penalty and then a missed field goal. But uh, they, we've taken care of business over the years. Our top teams, I said all along, can play with anyone. I don't think everyone believed me. Um, and I hope, you know, the college football – playoff committee, they do a great job. They're terrific people. I hope that uh, they they recognize now that this this conference, you have to look at at some history and see what we've done to see that uh, when, when UCF went up to Navy and barely won and went to SMU and barely won and you know, had some other tough games in our league. Uh, Memphis obviously uh, played a great championship game, an incredible game against USF. Got a lot of teams in our conference that can play. And, uh, you know, they they also went up to Maryland and, and beat them pretty, pretty impressively. And uh, Maryland, of course, you know, wasn't wasn't a, a top team this year, but they had just beaten Texas, and there were also issues. You know, they, they uh, you know, went to Wisconsin, had a similar score. Yeah, you know, so, you know, it it really is, uh, it really is, uh, uh you know, a credit to uh, to what our top teams have done. Also, you mentioned Scott Frost coaching; that was really important, and uh, he's just a tremendous guy. Uh, not all coaches obviously do this. Urban Meyer did it years ago with with uh, Utah, but uh, this was a, you know, this is a different cycle too. You know, you have early recruiting now; you didn't have it then, and uh, this was a lot tougher for Scott. And plus, his he and his wife just had a baby. Uh, and, uh, you know, he's he's stretched a lot of different ways. and it's, To do what he did and to come back was great, and the, the players love him. He loves the players. He'll always remember this at UCF, and, and they'll always have this. You know, even though he's moving on to Nebraska, they'll always have this in their memory bank. It's an uh, undefeated season. You know, it's funny, uh, in the old days, the way they used to crown national champions, they would probably be the national champion. You know, there's a, there's a process now, and we, we're not going to – borrow with it i mean it's in place but the point is uh they would have been national champions you remember byu years ago when they went undefeated and i, I think some of the same things were said about them and they, they ended up beating a michigan team that wasn't even anywhere near as as ranked or as good as this auburn team um uh, so uh it's uh it's a credit to them and, and they'll have some fun with uh, you know uh, being their own national champion and i think i i love that and it's all been good
2: and, and when we see that, when we see you know what UCF has been able to do and, and Scott Frost coming back, you know after the game, he had put out a quotation. He said, quote, it wasn't right. Uh, I was watching the selection show every week, the committee sitting in a room and deciding that this two-loss team must be better than UCF because UCF is in the American or this three-loss team must be better than UCF. It looked like a conscious effort to me to make sure that they didn't have a problem if they put us too high and a couple teams ahead of us lost, and uh uh-oh, oh no, now we have to put them in a playoff, but we just beat Auburn that beat two playoff teams and lost to another one by six points, and we beat them by seven, end quote, from Scott Frost. Your thoughts on that?
3: Well, again, you know, I'm not going to uh, in any way uh, impugn the committee. Uh, I think it's a question of perception and how they view our conference, and I think it's, it just has to change, and I think maybe this will be a huge impetus. This is the sweetest thing we've done in terms of a big victory, and, and I think it's going to resonate nationally, but, you know, the um, – the 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 issue. Uh, Joey Galloway, give him credit. You know, he's the the one voice on those uh, ESPN shows who said UCF ought to be ranked higher. Love the way they fly around the field. I think they can beat a lot of these 2 lost teams. And sure enough, he was right. We felt he was right. We felt our history had proven that. Um, and, and Scott is, is uh, you know, he's voicing a frustration that I think we all had in terms of, of where we t- typically get ranked, um, you know, and the this, this system would, I think, have, have more you know, credibility, obviously, longer term. If if we can compete for a national championship. Because I think people are scratching their heads now, saying this UCF team should be able to compete for a national championship. It's, it's undefeated. It plays in a great league, a league that that gets still doesn't get the credit it deserves. It just doesn't. And you know we were, by the way, we were three and one against the P5 this year. I, I think uh, my head of PR, uh, Bernie Caprilli, would want me saying uh, the other P6. But the point is we were three and one, and we were one point away from being four zero, and, oh, and that was a very controversial game, as you know, with some some calls and some other things in that game the point is we were that close and uh, we had a good bowl season we were four and three could easily have been five and two even easily six and one lost the other game by six points um only had one you know one tough game at the very beginning where an entire coaching staff had left and you know how tough that is so great bowl season for us and i think we just continue to establish credibility but but we're not going to wait forever you know this is not something that uh oh, we're just going to sit back and accept our lot as a g5 and and, and uh you know, each year keep having to prove ourselves. I think at some point, you know, we we, uh, we, really do want to be a P-6, and there's no question about that.
2: So to to further this argument and to further this, I know you talk about, you know, speak about it in the media and put it out there. And, I mean, it's something that, that I've discussed for a long time now and what I think of my feelings and covering this conference inside and out and, and knowing each of these institutions well to to move forward with this, you know, what can you do and and what do you do from your office at this point to make a statement? And like you said, you know, I respect the committee. I I respect the you know the people that are working on the college football playoff committee. I hope that this will help change things. I think that you know we're better than what we're given credit for. And like you said, we're not we're not sitting here complacent. You know, we want to push this thing forward. We feel like we had done enough before now, and now. You know, you have a game where, like you said, people are scratching their heads on a Tuesday morning, January 2nd, going, so why can't this UCF team play the winner of this game? Because, I mean, what what don't you want? I mean, when you look at a team, and this has happened, like you said before, it's it's happened in previous years, where there's been an undefeated team that's like, that gets a share of the national championship, but not the same feel for it. So what can you do as the commissioner, and what can your office do with the American Athletic to to further this thing along and say okay you know what what else do we need to do write it down on a piece of paper because we've done everything else
3: well I think our, our own teams are doing most of the hard work if not all of it you know in terms of doing what they've done and, and they get national attention I think, you know, we need to continue to mobilize the media, and I think the media um, has been an issue because they don't cover us the same way. And even today, I looked at, uh, you know, a headline, I think, you know, on sports business journal, I had a headline about the championship, that, that first semifinal game, and I didn't think the play calling in that game compared to our game. And, and I thought Mackenzie Melton's best quarterback I saw all day. Uh, there wasn't a better one than Mackenzie Milton. The, the the kind of improvisation, the incredible uh, poise under pressure. You know, once he got rolling, throwing the ball in the second half, he made throws that uh, you know the pros sometimes don't make. And uh, he ran the ball when when he wasn't thrown as well in the first half. He ran the ball and kept him in the game. Uh, but you know, I, I watch I watch these games, and I think the media has to give us more attention and more coverage. Uh, I know the blogosphere and the um, and the, uh, you know, the social media went crazy yesterday. So I think nationally it's resonating. But, uh, you know, you still sometimes – there was no story today, I thought, in the headlines of Sports Business Journal, for example, on our game, which I thought was one of the stories of the day, if not the story of the day in many ways. Yeah, you had a double overtime game in the other championship game. Um, and there was obviously some controversial play calling, so it's a good topic of conversation. But when you look at what our team did and how they played – I think they deserve a lot more attention. And again, Joey Galloway was the fellow talking about it. You know, we want to see others talk about it, other commentators talk about our league. And, and maybe they will now. I don't know. I mean, I don't know what more you can do. You know, but I do think we're going to press our case. Uh, we're going to continue to, you know, um, obviously respectfully, you know, talk about it, you know, with the media. Uh, we're trying to galvanize public opinion, media opinion, uh, to try to get the attention we deserve. And if we do, you know, then, then obviously uh, our goal, our, our, our short-term goal, uh, is just to get a much better TV deal. I think we're probably poised the best we've ever been for that. Uh, and, and anybody who watched the last three games that UCF plays knows what kind of football we play and how exciting it is uh, and the kind of players we have and the sustainability of our programs. So it's just a question, Dan, of, of keeping at it uh, and then figuring out uh, – You know, we have some other strategies we're thinking about because obviously we want to be part of that autonomy group down the road. Uh, this whole g5 is probably the biggest thing that's holding us back you know there's a notion that if you're g5 you know you can't be you can't your teams can't be as good their schedule can't be as good uh you looked at the player time we were supposed to get killed in the trenches yesterday you know it wasn't supposed to be it could have been a massacre you know you heard all of it beforehand and you saw our guys not only compete in the trenches but dominate six sacks do a lot of other things offensively protect Mackenzie Milton, even without their left tackle, who started 37 straight games and was injured, um, you know, a a couple of games ago. Uh, You can see what, you know, the kind of grit and determination our teams have. I'm just extremely proud. Um, You know, that's all I can say. I'm just extremely proud of them. Um, And uh, we'll just have to keep, uh, you know, hoisting that
2: banner for them. And uh, in in conclusion, because I know you have a, a busy week ahead of you. Uh, speaking here with the commissioner of the American Athletic Conference, Mike Oresco. Mike, to to look at this new year, to look at 2018, as a conference, what are your goals and your hopes as we have a fresh start and a fresh opening to this year? And what are your personal hopes for the year?
3: Well, I think, you know, it's, it's a, another pivotal year for us. This one was. Um... And I think we, you know, this was pivotal, Dan, because we started our P6 campaign, and we didn't want it to fall flat, and we didn't want it to fail. And not only hasn't it failed, it's been, it's been, you know, reinvigorated uh, every step of the way. So it's it's alive and well, and and we're going to continue to press it forward. Um, I think basketball, we have a real chance with teams like Wichita State and Cincinnati and Houston and SMU and others to make a statement in the NCAA tournament. Uh, That's I think really important as well. The UConn women have a chance to make another great statement. Uh, We've got terrific Olympic sports, got baseball that you know, we've got teams that we'll be buying for the college world series. So we expect to have, you know, another important year. Also we have some young teams. This this UCF team is extremely young. Yes, they're gonna lose you know, their coach, uh, but, uh, you know, Josh Heupel, I think, will do a great job, uh, very similar system. And, uh, you know, they're going to lose, obviously, Shaquem Griffin, who's just the heart and soul of that defense. and He's a wonderful player and a wonderful young man. But, you know, they've got everybody, almost everybody back on that team. Uh, they're recruiting extremely well. You know, same thing with USF, same thing with Memphis, uh, which showed how you do a coaching transition. Um, and and I think UCF is going to follow suit. You know, give give Danny White all the credit in the world for the coaches he's hired there and what he's done with that program Uh, and John Hitt, what he's done with that university. But the point is... uh, it should be, uh, you know, another important year. Obviously, it's another important football season. But the biggest thing will be TV. You know, we've got a TV negotiation that, you know, uh, we're going to talk to our partner, ESPN, you know, sometime this year. But toward the end of the year, we're almost in our negotiating period. And it's obviously going to be a critical time for us. Uh, so so it's a, it's an important year ahead. Uh again, this 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 year was was pretty important um, to, to keep establishing ourselves because you know you don't want to take a step backward, but now we're uh, we're poised to uh, you know to really uh, you know um, I, I hate to use the word you know cash in, but we're 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 really trying to make sure that we take advantage of what we've done.
2: Absolutely. And you know I, I think like you said, things are kind of lining up at the right time with this TV opportunity to say, look at what we've done, look at what we've brought, and it all kind of helps each other. You bring the product, which makes TV wanna put you on, and then being on television and being in front of more more of these eyes, gives you an opportunity to hopefully demand more respect and have people talking about you a lot sooner than people being confused and how did how did Auburn lose to UCF? Well, if they've been watching all season, they would know. So that coming from Mike Oresco. as always, Mike, I appreciate your time and I look forward to have you on soon when things, you know, when we have some time here in the next couple of weeks, we can expand a little bit on women's basketball, men's basketball as well. But as always, I appreciate it and a very happy new year to you and I hope you had a good holiday season.
3: Well, I hope you did too, Dan. Happy New Year to you. and uh, again, thanks for having me on and uh, we'll uh, we'll look forward to uh, you know, the aftermath of this is great. You know we can't rest on our laurels, that's for sure, but uh, we'll look forward to uh, you know the basketball season now and uh, and the Olympic sports. Uh, thanks again, Dan.
2: Thank you and take care that coming from Mike Resco once again the American Athletic Conference commissioner and I uh, hope he feels better there I know he said he was losing his voice a little bit so hopefully he feels better here this morning but very happy to have him on the show and have an opportunity with him I mean he's you got you can't be a happier commissioner in in college football right now you can't be I mean well well, well 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 let me go back let me go back let me go back let me go back you cannot be a happier commissioner in college football right now when you don't get the respect that you deserve. Now, Greg Sankey, he's probably the happiest one because he has Georgia and Alabama of the SEC playing in the national championship game. So he gets another title game for the SEC and it's going to be nationally televised on January 8th for the championship. So he's going to be very happy. I'm sure he's very, very happy, but at the same time, I mean, if you're Mike Oresco and you're sitting in that chair of the American and you wake up this morning, January 2nd, 2018, and you're going, I got the only undefeated team in the nation in my conference. And they just beat the SEC's Auburn. Who defeated the two SEC teams that are playing for the national championship? So, hello, and they did it with Scott Frost coming back. They overcame the mental side of the game. They overcame the physical side of the game. They overcame the the overabundance of people saying they don't deserve to be there. Side of the game, Shaquem Griffin plays with one hand, folks. One hand. If anybody in this world could tell you to never give up on your dreams, there's nobody better than Mr. Griffin because when he gets on the field, he's not play- he's not the guy that's playing without something. He's not the guy that's playing with a disability. He's not the guy that's saying, please feel bad for me. Please give me this and please give me that and please understand this. He's not asking for anything. He's sacking quarterbacks. He's attacking the ball. He's grabbing interceptions and he's laying down the boom, making sure that you know that he's on the field a man who can make all the excuses in the world makes none of them if that's anything for you to take into 2018 I don't know anything better than that I try to be inspirational and motivational and I look at Shaquem Griffin and I I take a step back and I go listen if there's anybody in the world that thinks that they can't look at that man Look at that man. No excuses, no apologies, no nothing. Go to work. Go to work. The talent is there in the American. The talent is there with UCF. It's a travesty that this conference does not get to play for the national championship. It's a travesty. And I agree with Scott Frost and what he said. They were trying to say this two-loss team is better than us, but then this one-loss team, but then this two-loss team, and then this team loses three games, they're still better because if you do this, this, this. And I'm sorry, but when Auburn played up against UCF, they had three losses, did they not? And they were ranked higher in the college football playoff standings. So UCF was the lower seed that just beat the higher seed, and then all the other higher seeds were still better than UCF, even though UCF is undefeated. So, you know, I think it's cute and fun, whimsical, whatever you want to call it, to be like, hey, you guys are national champions too. But you know what the real deal is? Let them play for it. Don't hand them a pennant and say, you can put this up in your, in your gymnasium and say that you're a national champion. Let them play for it. Tell me what UCF did wrong. Tell me what they did wrong all year. Tell me what they did wrong. They didn't do anything wrong. Who did they lose to? Who did they back down from? Who did they believe? They lost their head coach five seconds after the AAC championship game ended. I was there. He came back, and they won. Knowing that he was going to Nebraska, they got the band back together, and they won another game. This team had every excuse in the world to lose. Nobody thought they belonged except for them, and me, and some of you smart people out there. Nobody thought this team belonged, huh? Nobody thought they belonged. Interesting. Interesting. Well, the team that didn't belong just spanked the team that people thought should play in the college football playoff. Should have been in instead of Alabama, because they beat Alabama. So, I just, I mean, my head's reeling, but we're going to discuss it more after this fast break this is a wake-up call fast break the wildcat sports pub in camillus new york is located on 3680 milton avenue in the home depot plaza it is your family friendly sports bar and restaurant folks some sports bars aren't family friendly and Thursday through Saturday from 11 a.m. to midnight. For reservations and party information, call 315-487-2222. For the Wildcat family-friendly sports pub and restaurant.
1: 315- 702 4653. That's 315 702 4653. Or contact us through our website, lgweddingsandevents.com. Looking Glass Events, giving you a reason to celebrate.
2: Clothing that will change with you without you having to change. Drysiglady.com. D R E I S S I G Lady. Com. with the bamboo line relaxed fit clothing as well as the athletic fit clothing Drysiglady.com is fit for any woman any time of the day anywhere whatever you're doing whatever your day commands of you command yourself to feel comfortable in drysiglady Lady Apparel D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G lady.com for all the women out there feel good in what you're wearing And don't feel like you have to constantly change throughout the day. Whether you're a stay-at-home mom, a business owner, going for a jog, going for a meeting, or just relaxing at home, DrySigLady.com is the right fit for you. D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G-Lady.com.
1: This is Lawrence Papaleo, licensed real estate salesperson for Gilbo Realty. Call our home office at 315-752-9513. Or better yet, call or text me directly at 315-748-2524. Let me ask you a question, Lawrence. If I needed you to help me buy a house, find the right place, could you help me do that? Joe, I'll help you find your dream home. You don't ever say my name on the radio, never. If I needed to sell a house, could you help me go about that the right way? Yes, yes I can. How do they get a hold of you?
2: Call me directly at
1: 315-748-2524. But you also do the commercial property. So if I got a business, couple businesses, got to take one here, move it over there, do this, do that, are you going to help me buy and sell my commercial property also? Yes, sir. I like that. I like that. What's my name again? I have no idea. Absolutely. But they need to know your name, so give it one more time. This is Lawrence Papaleo, licensed real estate salesperson for Gilbo Realty. My phone number is 305 748 2524. Why don't you tell them your name one more time and that number so we can jot it down?
2: This is Lawrence Papaleo. Call me or text me directly at 305 748 2524.
0: The Market Diner prides itself on bringing the local community. Fresh ingredients that are better than going elsewhere. Open for breakfast, served all day, lunch and dinner with daily specials. The Market Diner is located at the Regional Market on Park Street, right across from Destiny, USA. For takeout, call 315 474 5247. The Market Diner. Local, fresh, better.
2: Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. Hope you are all having a great, great New Year. Happy, happy New Year to every single one of you. If you haven't heard me say it to you, happy New Year. Happy 2018. Here's to making it so much better than 2017. And 2017 was a good year for me personally, and business-wise, always is, because I bust my butt, I work hard, and I believe in God. And in believing in God you're limitless so I appreciate my life and I appreciate the opportunities that I have and I want to thank God for them so happy 2018 I hope you're doing well and I hope you're enjoying your day it is brutally cold in Toronto they say but it is friggin frigid here too act course said happy new year happy new year boss how you doing let's see what we got here so let me let me throw you one let me throw you a little happy new year I see that we have Johnny on here so I'm gonna send one to Johnny too And I'm gonna send one to Johnny's brother, who won one of my fantasy football challenges. Love it, awesome! Can't wait for the victory party, folks. That's gonna be happening very soon. For those of you that are in the Wake Up Call Fantasy Football Challenge, our victory party with trophies is gonna be happening very shortly at the Wildcat Sports Pub. So make sure you stay close to Facebook at Wake Up Call DT and Twitter at Call DT C A L L D T, as well as on Wake Up Call dt.com because we're going to be doing it up very nicely for that award ceremony can't wait for the opportunity to do that with that being said you know let's continue this conversation in college football in just a moment i have to have this conversation first now this man endorsed my show and i i can't believe i'm so honored he endorsed my show years ago and i had the opportunity to speak with him and be around him He's the former coach of the raiders And it is expected that he will become the new head coach of the Raiders. I didn't think anything was going to take him out of the chair. I didn't think anything was going to take him out of the chair with his quarterback school on ESPN. But John Gruden expected to become the next head coach of the Raiders after they fired Jack Del Rio following the loss to the Chargers this week 17 that just passed crazy crazy craziness John Gruden looking to become the next head coach of the Raiders I'm going to put up a poll on Twitter right now to see what you all think so we're going to put it up here right now if you're not following me on Twitter follow me on Twitter at CallDT that's at C-A-L-L-D-T so we're going to have The poll go up right now. I'm putting it up here so you can strongly agree, agree, disagree, or strongly disagree. I'm gonna get some fans' thoughts here. What are what is your? Let me put it up here like this. Do you agree? And I'm asking you this, listening now. Do you agree or disagree with the hiring? of John Gruden to be the next head coach of the Raiders of the Oakland slash Las Vegas Raiders because let's remember that they are moving to Las Vegas folks it's gonna happen so he becomes the head coach he'll be the first he'll be the first you know maybe it's a history thing for him maybe this is something that he really wants to do maybe this is a a history moment for John Gruden because, you know, he loves the Raiders. He obviously coached there before, and now he has an opportunity not only to coach the Raiders again, but to coach the Raiders in Las Vegas. So maybe this is a thing for him. Maybe he wants to be a part of being the first, the first coach to ever coach an NFL team in Las Vegas, Nevada. So I just put it up here Do you agree or disagree with the hiring of John Gruden to be the next head coach of the Oakland slash Las Vegas Raiders? You can strongly agree, agree, disagree, or strongly disagree. The poll is up and I want to see what y'all think. Now I put up some polls for college football and we're going to discuss the college football playoff semis in just a minute, but I want to get to some of the poll questions because you still have some time to vote. So make sure if you haven't voted that you vote right now. And you could do that on Twitter at CallDT. Once again, if you're not following me, make sure you follow at Call, C-A-L-L-D-T on Twitter. UCF of the ACC defeating Auburn of the SEC aided you in respecting UCF moving forward, yes or no? 22% of you, yes, this yes this game did help me to respect UCF. 22% of you said, no, this game did not. And 56% of you said, I already respected UCF. Seeing the Seeing that UCF took down Auburn, who defeated both Georgia and Alabama in the regular season, it would have been nice to see UCF in the college football playoff. 27% of you said, no, I disagree. They shouldn't have been in the college football playoff. 73% of you said, yes, I would have liked to see them in the college football playoff. Following the UCF win over Auburn and anything and everything that has come before, it is now time to make college football a power six instead of a power five to include the American Conference. 45% of you disagreed. 55% of you have agreed. And the final poll that I put up that I want to get to here really quick. What was the biggest shock of this season's college football playoff semifinals in your opinion? Was it A, the double overtime game in Georgia versus Oklahoma? Was it B, Clemson's lack of offense? Or was it C, Alabama's defense? 7% of you said Alabama's D because it's not a shock. Right, they were good. They got better because guys came back that were in, that had been injured. So Alabama's defense got the least amount of the vote, seven percent. Forty-three percent of you said the biggest shock of the college football playoff semifinals that happened on January first. Forty-three percent of you said the double overtime game in Ge- with Georgia up against Oklahoma. And the winning answer so far, with thirteen hours left to vote, fifty percent of you said Clemson's lack of offense was your biggest shock of the 2017-18 college football playoff semifinals. Your biggest shock was the lack of offense by Clemson. And I don't disagree with you. And Let's go to that game. Let's discuss it, okay? Let's get into it right now. Now, I picked Alabama and Georgia. So, I left – talk about starting off January in a good – talk about starting off 2018, a new year with a big bang, Right? I had Alabama defeating Clemson, I had Georgia defeating Oklahoma, and I had UCF defeating Auburn. So I started off the new year 3-0. Pretty nice to start off a new year with your predictions being 100% correct. So let's make sure that we keep that going here, folks. Now Alabama in this game, they just took it to Clemson. Clemson was very quiet. Clemson scored a field goal in the second quarter and a field goal in the third quarter, and that was it. Kelvin Ridley went to work. Now, this Alabama team I got to cover at the beginning of the year in the Chick-fil-A kickoff game up against Florida State. So I covered Kelvin Ridley, and I, and I covered, you know, Mac Wilson. Well, Mac Wilson was was obviously uh, – he had been injured going into that – going into the season. So, Kelvin Ridley, and, 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 you know, obviously, you know, th- this, this team had so much to offer, and Alabama Jalen Hurts, I got to see him, Bo Scarborough, Kelvin Ridley – I mean, but one of the biggest things that I can say about this is Deron Payne, okay? Deron Payne, which I used on the internet. I used the, you, y'all good, you. I used that from, analyze that from Robert De Niro speaking to Billy Crystal. Deron Payne, you talk about Nick Saban. Let me say something about Nick Saban. Now, people say he's ornery, he's this, he's that, whatever. Nick Saban, respect to you, sir, not just for everything you've done in the national championships and the wins and the yada, 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 but the fact that Alabama's defensive tackle, Deron Payne, intercepted the ball from Kelly Bryant of Clemson. And after he intercepts the ball from Kelly Bryant, they get close to the goal line, and Nick Saban puts Deron Payne out there in an offensive play, to get him the ball to score a touchdown on the possession that he gave to Alabama from his interception. What other coach in America is saying to the guy that got the interception for them, why don't you go out there? Why don't you go out there and finish this thing? You got the interception, you deserve the touchdown. Ballsy by Nick Saban, ballsy by Deron Payne, They did it, though. They made it happen. That was single-handedly one of the greatest plays ever in the history of college football because a coach said to the man who gave them that possession, hey, Deron Payne, you took that from Clemson. You took that ball away from Clemson, so you deserve to bring bring that ball across the goal line. You took it. You take it in. You took it away. Now you take it into the end zone, and he did. It was amazing. So to linemen everywhere, to big men everywhere, Daron Payne, hello. Three hundred and eight pounds, six foot two, Daron Payne scored a touchdown over Clemson. Now I picked Alabama in this game, and you heard a little bit earlier on the show on Wake Up Call with Dan Satora in the morning menu that Proudly presented by the Market Diner, 2100 Park Street in Syracuse, New York. In the regional market across from Destiny, USA. And the home of the Dan Tortora Special. Belgian waffle cut in half filled with bacon, egg, and cheese. My spin on the breakfast sandwich available to you. And now it's third year. I can't, it's hard, it's very hard for me to believe this. Because we are sitting here on January 2nd, 2018. The Dan Tortora Special Sandwich. Available every day at the Market Diner. Exclusively is going into its third year. In the first year, we sold 60 to 70 a week. In the second year, we were gangbusters on top of what we did in 2016. And now we're about to blow the doors off the thing in 2018. So 16, it came out. 2007, and and did extremely well. 2017, we continued to do well with the sandwich, thanks to you. And in 2018, I'm looking to shatter records. I'm looking to make it happen. I love it. It was voted one of the, and right before the end of the year, it was voted one of the top five, sandwiches in central new york by you online thank you so much for that big ups to you so thank you thank you thank you to all my listeners all my supporters my viewers my readers thank you to everybody comes out to the live shows plays in the fantasy football challenge the march madness challenge god bless and a big thanks to you because you have been absolutely and positively amazing inside and outside of Central and Upstate New York. I thank you so very much. And so does the Market Diner and the MbZ family and the entire crew over there. So big shout out to you for making the Dance of Taurus special something very special in 2016 and 17. We're about to make it even more special in 2018. So thank you so much for all that you do. And I truly appreciate it. So here in the morning menu, a little bit earlier in the show, Bob Casulo was speaking with me about Clemson. And he said, you know, I picked Alabama because Clemson lost to Syracuse. That's another reason why I picked Alabama. You know, there's a whole talk of, you know, they had guys that were out injured and they're coming back defensively. And the fact that it's Alabama, you don't let Alabama in this thing. I originally thought Clemson. And uh, somebody came out to one of my live shows and I made mention of Clemson. He goes, really? Over Alabama? You think so? And I think you could argue that Alabama shouldn't, have been in the college football playoff because all the other teams played in their title games for their conference, respectively. But at the same time, if you let Alabama in, you know they're dangerous. And I picked Alabama ultimately to win this game after thinking a little bit more about it because of the fact that Clemson lost to Syracuse. Clemson had the worst loss of any of the four teams that played in the college football playoff. Alabama lost to Auburn Okay, Alabama lost to Auburn. Georgia lost to Auburn. In Oklahoma, their only loss of the season going into the college football playoff, Oklahoma had lost to Iowa State, who's a lot better than people give them credit for, and had a hell of a game against Memphis, 21-20, that we talked about a little bit earlier. So the worst loss by far of any of the four was Clemson. And that should have put – and I know Clemson took care of Miami 38-3 to and completely embarrassed them in the ACC championship game. But but the team that had the most vulnerability in the Alabama-Clemson game was not Alabama. It wasn't the four seed. It was the number one seed because Clemson lost to Syracuse. And, the, and when Clemson loses to a team that's ranked in the 80s of 130 – and I'm just, I'm just being honest. I'm just telling the truth here, folks. When Clemson loses to a team like that, there's something to say about that. And you expose that. And Alabama did. I said, how, how is Alabama, who lost to Auburn, going to lose to Clemson, who lost to Syracuse this year? And not on a freak play. Syracuse outplayed them. You know, I look at things like that. I look at what was your worst loss? And all of them had one loss. And the worst loss was by far Clemson. Everybody, Iowa State, top 25 arguable team during the season. Auburn was a top 25. They were a top six team. During the season. Syracuse, 87, maybe. So, I picked Alabama to win this game because I said, if Syracuse could expose them, I know Alabama can. Because if Syracuse... Where they're at right now, and I know they're getting better, and I'm proud to cover them, and there's a lot to say about what Dino and his staff are doing, and at the same time as an impartial broadcaster, if you think, if I'm if I'm Alabama, and I see that Syracuse exposes Clemson, I am licking my chops to play them. And they took care of it 24-6. to 6. So, half of my thing was right. And then you look at the other half and say, can Dan go 100%? Can the prediction be reality? And the answer this season, thank goodness, is yes. Starting off the new year 100% on my January 1st games. UCF over Auburn, Alabama over Clemson, and I picked Georgia over Oklahoma. And Papa Joe, who you hear every Thursday on the broadcast, he texted me during the game. And he said, I'm going to get an exact quote here. And what he said, I don't want to paraphrase. I want to get you exactly what he said to me. Papa Joe said, Are you believing this stuff? And I put Oklahoma playing defense is bad news for Georgia. Georgia had the momentum up until that. They need to score. And then later on he said, There goes my overrated SEC matchup. And I said, I'm still picking Georgia. And that was in regulation. I said, I'm still going with Georgia. I'm still, you know, listen, I made my... I made my statement, I said Georgia, I'm staying with Georgia, I'm not flip-flopping, I'm hanging tough here. I'm gonna pick them and I'm gonna just let it go. I'm gonna let it go, let it run here because Oklahoma surged back at the end of this game. Oklahoma did what they needed to do to get this game back on and then Nick Chubb had to get the touchdown to tie it at 45. 45 45-45 with 55 seconds left in the game. In OT, it's field goal for field goal and then Georgia in the second overtime, Sony Michelle, 27 yard touchdown run to win the game. And I said it. I know he fumbled the ball that helped set up an opportunity for Oklahoma. But I said earlier on in the game, before that happened, I said if Georgia wins this game, Sony Michelle needs to be the player of the game. If they win this game, he's the MVP. 11 carries for 181 yards, 16.5 yards a carry. Can you believe that he only carried the ball 11 times? Go back and watch the Georgia game. You'll think he carried the ball 30 times. He carried the ball 11 times for 181 yards and three touchdowns. And he had a touchdown receiving, four catches for 41 yards. Sony Michelle ended the game with four Georgia touchdowns. Four. Nick Chubb, 14 carries, 145 yards, 10.4 yards a carry, two touchdowns on the ground. The team had 317 rushing yards as a whole for Georgia. 317. Here's the crazy thing about it. 326 yards between Sony Michelle and Nick Chubb. Jake Fromm lost 13. The team lost two, and DeAndre Swift had six. So they actually had more than the team <laughs> because some of it got negated. 326 rushing yards between Sony Michelle and Nick Chubb. Oklahoma had eight different players run the ball for 242 yards. Eight different players amounted 242 yards. Two players for Georgia amounted 326. Georgia, you know they're gonna run the, you know that they're gonna run the ball. I think Georgia can win this thing. I think Georgia can beat Alabama. I really, honestly do, because there's a hell of a... you think about Oklahoma. Oklahoma doesn't play defense this season. They don't play defense. They just try to outscore you. That's all they do. And Georgia, who would have thunk Georgia was going to score 54 points to take down... Normally, Oklahoma gets up to 48, 50 points. They're going to win that game. Let's look at Oklahoma this season, right? They score 56 against UTEP, 56 against Tulane, 49 against Baylor. Now, Iowa State was the game they lost. They uh, they only scored 31 in that game. But more often than not, they're scoring in the 40s or the 50s or the 60s, okay? they're Out of every game they played this season, they played 14 games this season. 14 games this season. Three of those 14 games, they scored less than 40 points. Three. Three. Of the 14 games they played in. The other 11... They scored forty or more, fifty-six against UTEP. Uh, part, oh, pardon me, pardon me, pardon me. Four games. I forgot about the Iowa State game or, or Ohio State game. Pardon me, pardon me. So, four times they score. Oh, no, I'm right. I'm right. Okay, I'm driving myself insane. So for so three times. Sorry, folks. It's a uh, it's it was a long vacation. So, so look at Oklahoma this season, 11 out of 14 times, 11 out of 14 games this season, they score 40 or more points. They scored 56 against UTEP, 31 against Ohio State in a win, 56 against Tulane, 49 against Baylor, 31 in a loss to Iowa State, 29 against Texas, then 42 against Kansas State, 49 against Texas Tech, 62 against Oklahoma State, 38 well that was the one so I was right so it was four so 10 times out of 14 they scored 40 or more they had 38 against Texas Christian TCU 41 against Kansas 59 against West Virginia and 41 when they faced TCU again and then they lost against Georgia yesterday and scored 48 points this team more often than not and now I can finally say that I got it right here now that I had to look at it a hundred times. In 10 times out of 14 games, 10 times they score 40 or more points. Every other time they scored 40 or more, they won. Every other time. Every game they scored 40 or more points, they won. Nobody could match them. And a lot of times, nobody came close. And then Georgia scores 54 in double overtime to slam the door on a team that only plays offense. Now, they made some defensive moves in this game, and it shocked the hell out of me, speaking on Oklahoma. But Georgia was just too much. Just too much. Georgia's got something to state here. Georgia has something to say here. Because Georgia played Auburn For the SEC championship, and they won. They knocked Auburn out of the college football playoff. Of any opportunity of getting in this season. They want Alabama. They want to play Alabama. They have not played Alabama this season. They're on different sides of the SEC. They want Alabama. And they're going to get them. They're going to get them. And I can't wait for this game. Two for two in the college football playoff semis. I picked Georgia, and I picked Alabama with another SEC title game on the lines, which just so happens to be the national championship. Massive, massive game for both sides. And if you're watching the Georgia game up against Oklahoma, I mean, this game was fun. This game game had literally no defense in the beginning, and then it started to happen. Georgia made a stop, and then they scored, and they took care of business. Kirby Smart... The head coach of the Georgia Bulldogs is doing one hell of a job. Before Kirby Smart, they had Mark Richt, who went off to Miami in his second season when Miami played in the ACC championship game. Although they lost it, and they lost to Wisconsin in their bowl game this year. He did a heck of a job in his second season. But he leaves Georgia, and people are saying, oh, my God, what are we going to do after him? Kirby Smart. Just going to work for Georgia. What an amazing coach. Who would have thunk at the beginning of the year that Kirby Smart would have been the guy on the other side of this championship game? Who would have thought that? And it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. And I give him all the credit in the world. Because he deserves it. He's earned it. From 2004 to 2015, all but one of those years, Kirby Smart was on Nick Saban's coaching staff. So from 2004 to 2015, in 10 of those 11 years, in between, 10 of 11 years, Kirby Smart was with Nick Saban. Who better to take down the Big Bad Wolf than somebody that spent so much time with him? I'm ecstatic about this Georgia game. I can't wait for this Georgia-Alabama game. I think Georgia's got way too much offense for Alabama. I think Alabama Alabama relies on keeping this game in the 20s. That's what Alabama is. Alabama's not going to score... 40, 50 points on you. They just beat an Oklahoma team that's like playing a friggin' pinball machine. It's a bang, 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 bang. I mean, it is. Oklahoma is just score after score after score after score after score after score. That's how they play. Or pardon me, o- Oklahoma. Oklahoma is <laughs> score after score. Alabama's not that. Oklahoma is just cha-ching, 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 cha-ching. That's, what, uh, that's how Oklahoma wins games. They just outscore you. Alabama doesn't want to do Alabama's got to keep it in a certain region. Okay? Now they defeated Ole Miss sixty six to three. Ole Miss wasn't anything this year. They defeated Vanderbilt 59 to 0. They beat Florida State 24 to 7. They beat Mercer fifty six to nothing. But in those games where they were actually playing some talented teams, Alabama won twenty four to ten over LSU. 31 to 24 over Mississippi State. They only scored 14 in a loss to Auburn. They beat it they defeated Texas A&M 27 to 19. The games where they scored 40 or more, they were playing the bottom of the barrel of the SEC or they were playing teams they were supposed to annihilate. That Mercer game, I'm not how do you even regard that as it was 56 to nothing. Alabama when they play against good talent they stay in that 24, 27, maybe 30 region. That's, where they, that's, that's their sweet spot. That's how they beat you. They score enough points to get to 24, 27, and they buckle down on defense, and they make big-time plays in the game, and they make a big-time interception at the end of the game, and they take you out of it. That's how they do it. Turnovers, especially at the end of the game, and keeping this score within the 20s. That's how Alabama beats you. Well, Georgia's got two running backs, and between the two of them, scored six touchdowns for Georgia against Oklahoma. Six touchdowns. They're bringing the firepower. Alabama has some, now don't get me wrong, Alabama's got some firepower. Alabama's got some good players, right? But they don't have the firepower that Georgia has, and I'm picking Georgia to win it all. I'm picking Georgia to win this college football playoff national championship on Monday, January 8th. That's what I'm doing. We'll take a step aside for a fast break, and we'll be back to wrap up the show with Ingredients to Success, proudly brought to you by Utica Pizza Company. This is a wake-up
0: call fast break.
2: Utica Pizza Company spells family. Your family. My family Call them and place your order at 315-214-3060. That's 315-214-3060. Families break bread at Utica Pizza Company. Gear up with the real deal at Dreising Apparel The Penn and Trophy Center on 111 East Willow Street in Syracuse, New York, has been making memories for Central New York for over 60 years. It has the trophies for your teams, and when you walk in there, it's so much more than just that. When you walk into the Penn and Trophy Center, you are immersed in the reality that anything can be customized, anything can be engraved, whether it's for your anniversary, your wedding, your bar mitzvah, your birthday party, whatever you want to do with that memory, that watch from grandpa, or that bracelet from mom, or that wedding ring that's been passed down through your family. If you want to get something engraved with a memory to last a lifetime, the Penn and Trophy Center, 111 East Willow Street in Syracuse, New York, where memories are made and where memories last a lifetime. The name Lee's and Staggerwald is synonymous with Central New York, with over 80 years of service to the community. Lee's and Staggerwald Downtown is your butcher, grocery, pub, and deli, located on 117 East Fayette Street in Syracuse, New York, minutes from the Carrier Dome, and your perfect pre-gaming headquarters with Rob Drummond and myself, Dan Tortora, two hours before home games. Lee's and Staggerwald Downtown, where you can dine in, take out, pre-game up on the hill with their meats, or pre-game. Inside their walls, Leeson Staggerwald downtown, a unique experience for every single fan and every member of the community with over eight decades of service. They're open Monday from 1030 a.m. to 3 p.m., Tuesday through Thursday from 1030 a.m. to 8 p.m., Friday, 1030 a.m. to 9 p.m., Saturday, noon to 9 p.m., and closed on Sunday on 117 East Fayette Street in Syracuse, New York. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. Happy to be here with you on the broadcast here every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Hope you are having yourselves a very happy new year. Treat yourself right in January of 2018 and in February, March, April, May, June, July, August, September, October, November, December. Make it happen, folks. And... In August, make sure you buy your tickets right now. You don't want to wait until August. You got to do it now because I have, so while supplies last, I have my tickets to the CNY Pop Festival. You don't want to miss this. It's something that's never been done before the way that we're doing it, okay? This is just as much a food festival as it is a sports festival and an entertainment festival. I am bringing actors and actresses as well as anchors from Marvel and, you know, an anchor from Marvel and DC, somebody from Star Wars will be coming to it, as well as Syracuse football and basketball alumni. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be absolutely amazing. If you're a comic book fan, we got you covered. If you're a TV fan, if you're a movie fan, we got you covered. If you're a sports fan, we got you covered. If you're a huge Syracuse fan, we got you covered. Football fan, covered. Basketball fan, covered. Covered. If you love food, which most people do, you're covered. cnypopfestival.eventbrite, which is event, B-R-I-T-E, dot com. Buy your tickets now. While, supply, while supplies last. They're only $15 for adults, $10 for children. Five and under are free. Buy your tickets now. Do not hesitate. Do not wait. Because once they're gone, they're gone. Once the pre-sale tickets are gone, got to pay full full price. And I try to be very generous here, $15, $10, so you can get it all done with a 20. A 20 or a 10, you're done, you're good and ready to go. So make sure that you buy your tickets now, cnypopfestival.eventbrite.com. Get your tickets today. They are on sale right now. In this moment, if you go to cnypopfestival.eventbrite.com, you can buy your ticket. So do not hesitate. Do not wait. Make sure you do it now. Continuing on here in the morning menu, proudly presented by the Market Diner on 2100 Park Street in Syracuse, New York, in the regional market across from Destiny USA. It is the home, once again, of the Dan Tortora Special. Belgian waffle cut in half, bacon, egg, and cheese inside. And I'll be heading to the Market Diner after the broadcast today. So hopefully you will as well and get yourself a Dan Tortora Special. Thank you to the countless number of people who have listened to the show and agreed that that was the thing to do? They went out and got themselves a dance tour special, and we're not disappointed by any stretch of the imagination. Thank you so much, and thank you to the Market Diner for all that you do. It is now time for the ingredients to success, proudly presented by Utica Pizza Company, which is live right now. And I'm very inside Wake Up Call here on mixlr.com backslash Wake Up Call DT. So I'm very excited to share this segment with you. It's a segment that means a lot to me because Utica Pizza Company means a lot to me. They are a phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal business. They work very hard and very diligently every day to bring the best products that they can to Central and Upstate New York. They are bringing them not just to 628 South Main Street in North Syracuse, which is their restaurant where you can have catering come out of there. You can have takeout, delivery, and dine-in on 628 South Main Street in North Syracuse, New York. At the same time, you can buy their sauces, their seasonings, their dressing, and their tomato pie at local grocery stores in Central and Upstate New York. So there's so much that they offer, and they have It's a Utica thing, where they literally take the restaurant of Utica Pizza Company, put it on wheels, you choose what you want on the menu, and then they drive to your location. They will drive to your business They'll, you know, if you have a building and you want to post up downtown, feed everybody, they'll post up downtown, they'll post up at your anniversary party, they'll post up at your bar mitzvah, whatever it may be, they got you covered. So make sure that you make your way to 628 South Main Street in North Syracuse, New York, in the Main's Plaza across from Sweetheart Corners to Utica Pizza Company And show them some love. They have the wake up call number one pick in the window every day, and that is the chicken riggy pizza. You can order it by the slice or by the full pie today or any day. So make sure you go over and get the chicken riggy pizza at Utica Pizza Company. It is my number one pick. So, their segment that always rounds out our shows on Tuesdays is called Ingredients to Success, if you've never heard it before. To those of you that have, thank you for listening back. For those of you that haven't heard it, thank you for being here. The Ingredients to Success is when I pick anything that ha- that's going on in the sports world or the world in general, and I give my Ingredients to Success for that given thing or person or team or organization, whatever it may be, proudly brought to you by Utica Pizza Company. And today's Ingredients to Success are directed toward the college football playoff committee. I would think that being undefeated is an ingredient to success. I would think that beating teams outside of your conference are an ingredient to success if you don't appreciate the conference. I would think that doing what a team like UCF did, defeating Auburn, who defeated Georgia and Alabama, and the only team to do so in the nation, and both of those teams are playing for the national championship, that would be an ingredient to success. So you took down the SEC. You took down Maryland inside of the Big Ten. You have taken down every team that you've gone up against. And whether it takes double overtime or regulation, you've won the games. Mackenzie Milton is a sophomore quarterback. True sophomore. He didn't sit out a year. True sophomore quarterback in his second season at UCF. Look at what he has done at the quarterback position. Look at what this look what Shaquem Griffin has done with one hand and no excuses. Okay. So ingredients to success, grit, desire, want, perseverance, determination. If there's ever been a time for me to tell you, and there's no better time than going into a new year to not listen to what anybody else says about you. And what do people say? Well, Dan, what if they're right? That's what people say. They always say they're right. Dan, what if they're right? You tell me not to listen about what other people are saying about me, Well, what if those people are right? You know, in your heart and in your mind, who's right and who's wrong. I don't believe that God has created any human being in this world that has no ability to know if they're right or wrong. I don't believe that there is a single human being created on this planet or any planet, any being anywhere, that wouldn't know if they're right or wrong. They would have just no ability to know the difference. I believe it's inside of you. I believe that you know because God put it in there. That's how I believe, you know, I don't believe there's anybody that's ever been created in the history of anything that would not be able to know inside of them who's right and who's wrong. You know, we listen to other people and listening to other people, I can promise you from a firsthand account, listening to other people tell you who you are and what you're about that don't love you and don't care for you. It will make you quit on everything that you care about. It will make you stop doing everything that you want to do. It will make you... believe that you can't achieve anything in this world. Listening to other people that don't love you and don't care for you. Because you say to me, Dan, how do I know who's right? How do I know who's right? How do I know if it's me or if it's the guy down the street that's telling me to stop singing? To stop playing my drums? To stop trying to be a doctor. My father was told by one of his teachers in college that he should think of another profession because he will never be a lawyer. My dad's worked in a law office since he was 18, he just turned 63. Do the math 45 years working in law and his teacher looked him in the eye at the college that he paid to go to and said, you need to choose another profession because you're not going to cut it in this one. 45 years later, I don't know where the hell the person is that told my dad he couldn't make it, but I sure as hell know where my dad is. Michael Jordan did not make his high school basketball team because he couldn't cut it. He wasn't good enough. According to his coach, he didn't have what the coach needed to put him on the roster. He wasn't good enough to be one of those 12 to 14 players. He just didn't cut it. He didn't do enough to teach, to show the coach that he was worthy of being on the team. And people argue today, yesterday, and probably till the end of time and after that, that Michael Jordan is the greatest player to ever play in the NBA. There will never be a time, in my opinion, that Michael Jordan will not be included in the conversation of who the greatest basketball players of all time are. Never. Yet, he wasn't good enough to make his high school basketball team. (laughs) Think about that. Think about that. Put into perspective the people that give you a hug And a kiss when they see you. That call you just to say hi. That text you just to say hi. That when somebody says something bad about you on social media, you don't say a word, they do. Somebody who is always there for a shoulder to cry on. Always there to laugh with you. And doesn't make excuses when you want to hang out. You want to listen to anybody's opinion... On how you're living your life? Listen to those. But you know whose opinion you should listen to more than anybody's? Your own. Now, I know there's always exceptions to the rule, and my mind always goes to the extreme. Dan, what about serial killers? They shouldn't listen to themselves. Dan, what about schizophrenic people that are doing They shouldn't listen. What about that? What about they shouldn't listen to themselves? Listen. There are people that have chemical imbalances and this, that, and the other. There are people that don't do good things. And yeah, no, they shouldn't be listening and saying, yeah, I should keep going. But I, again, I believe in your heart and in your soul and in your mind, truth is always there. And the people that do bad things in this world, they try to shield that. They try to cover that truth. They try to pretend it doesn't exist. They put a blanket over it, some rocks over it. They bury it. But it's always speaking to them. Always. Always speaking. I don't think God ever stops talking to you. I think we stop listening. But I don't think he ever stops talking. And I know that. So to take a line from the TV show, new girl when Winston was talking to Schmidt and he said, and he had a tank top on that said like dance freak or something like that. And he was like, I got to go down to the precinct because he's a, Winston's a police officer. He said, I got to go down to the precinct before I uh, be, you know, I got to pick something up. So he's like, I got to go pick that up. Before I go dancing, my dance class. And Schmidt says, How why would you go down to the precinct wearing that shirt? You know they're gonna make fun of you. And he said, When are you gonna stop caring about what other people think? Winston said, When are you going to stop caring about what other people think? He said, If I look in my com if I look at the comment, if I look at the cards in my comment box, they're full. There's a lot. People have a lot to say about how I live my life. But you know the only comment card I read, you know what it says? Good job. Keep it up. Good job. Keep it up. And you know who wrote that comment card? Me. And you know how I know that I wrote it? Because I recognize my own mother-freaking handwriting. Your ingredients to success for the new year is to only read your comment card. Consult your conscience. Consult your heart. Consult your mind. Consult your soul. And know that the only opinion on your life that matters is your own. We'll take a step aside.
0: This is a wake-up call, Fast Break.
2: Hey, Wake Up Call
1: listeners, this is Tom Taylor, owner of Sammy Malone's, located at 2 Oswego Street in Baldensville, New York, overlooking the beautiful Seneca River. We probably open our doors to you seven days a
3: week, beginning at 11 a.m. daily, with free parking. Whether it's game day, after-work drinks, or a meal with family and friends, we are honored that you come visit us. Call 315-635-5407 for parties and catering. I'll see you at Sammy Malone's, home of the best sandwich in Beeville.
1: where you can choose your style, get fitted, and tailored, all at Giovanni's Formal Wear.
2: Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. Happy to be here with you this morning and to wrap up today's show, the first show that I will have done for 2018. The first, this is our first, I mean, you can you only do this once, folks. This is the first show of the new year for us. January 2nd, 2018, the first show of 2018 a Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, last and in, in 2000 in December 31st 2016, I did a live video on Facebook Live, and so many of you you watched it, and thank you so much for that. And I made the announcement that in 2017, for the first time ever in my 14 year history of being a broadcaster, I would be moving to five days a week, and we would be Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time on MixLR.com dot backslash wake up call dt. I can't believe I'm sitting here with you today saying that it was a year ago today (laughs) that we started this. It was a year ago today that we started five days a week that I, for the first time ever, was a -a five-day-a-week sportscaster for Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. And I cannot be more Thankful and appreciative and blessed and honored for the new year and for 2018. And I thank you for your support and I thank God more than anything for forgiving my shortcomings and giving me opportunities beyond my wildest dreams and helping these opportunities to be limitless. I don't know how to repay or thank God enough but to work my butt off and give my best to God, and to remember that it's just as important, if not more important, which it is, to be a husband and a father than simply a broadcaster. And I'm ecstatic for what we have coming up for you this week, and I'm ecstatic for this year together, and I love you so much, and so I can't wait for you to listen in tomorrow, January 3rd, and all throughout the week, and all throughout the year. Let's make 2018 another record-breaking, record-setting year. Let's make 2018 another year about God, as it should be every year. And let's make 2018 a year of positivity, happiness, heart, perseverance, determination, your mind and your heart working together and not against one another. To make it a year of soul searching, soul enriching, and soul finding. Make it another year of, of high self-esteem and self-worth. To make it a year of happiness, laughter, joy. To make it a year of setting goals and reaching them. To make it a year of not just having dreams, but making them a reality. For making it a year where perception is not reality, but reality is reality. Happy New Year. I'll talk with you this week, every single day, from now through Friday and every week, 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time on mixlrcom backslash wake call. DT. Big shout out to my morning menu guests inside a wake up call. American Athletic Conference Commissioner Mike Resco, as well as Bob Casulo, longtime NFL and college football assistant coach. Thank you to Utica Pizza Company for the ingredients to success. And thank you to every company I'm proud to work with and take into 2018. And Muddy Waters, can't wait to get there. Three days after Christmas, I was like, who's going to show up to play game show night? Are people even going to come out? It's four degrees outside. And it's a couple days after Christmas. And not only did you guys show up, but we got a new team that came in. So a big shout-out to Muddy Waters and what we're building at Muddy Waters with Game Show Night. Family Feud meets Pictionary every Thursday night at 7 p.m. on 2 Oswego Street in Baldwinsville, New York. We'll see you there. God bless, and I'll talk to you soon. And by the way, I have a huge announcement on what we're going to be doing at Sammy Malone's this year. So make sure that you're paying very close attention to Facebook at Wake Up Call DT, Twitter at Call DT, and Instagram at Wake Up Call underscore DT. I'll talk to you soon.